chapter 5, we'll get started. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this uh, time this morning. Each and every person that's here, God, and uh, we know that you... Um, Lord, there's a, there's a purpose for each of us being here today. So we pray that you'd speak to us from your word, that we'd be able to understand it. Lord, give us your spirit, Lord, um, to give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that we'd be able to understand, and we would grow. Our hearts would be soft before you, Lord, that we wouldn't be prideful or arrogant or puffed up or anything like that that would uh, um, keep us from receiving what we need to receive, from seeing what we need to see. And so, uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for uh, being able to gather here, a place to gather, a group, a community, a family um, to gather to that loves each other, cares about each other. Thank you for that, God. And we just pray that you just be glorified, magnified in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where we kind of left off with chapter 4, is Paul's talking to this church, the church of Corinth, which had issues um, this is we see the most about this church out of any other church, but I think that there was issues in all the churches, you know, more or less. We could see that as you go through. Uh, we kind of get a, an image somewhat in our in our brain and uh, of Acts being what church was like, and there's this marvelous works happening everywhere, and and miracle after miracle after miracle everywhere you go. Um, but as my buddy Frank used to say, think of that as like the sports center highlights of, uh, of what was really going on, right? In, in a, a night of sports, there are how many hours of sports that are being played, and yet you have a half an hour or an hour's worth of actual highlights to watch, right? And you go, wow, this is really exciting. Well, if you watched the game, it probably wasn't quite as exciting. And what's kind of fun is if you do watch the game, you're like, I bet you that's going to be on, on sports center, you know? And, and when you're a kid or you make a play and you go and that's like a top play or whatever because you're like that's gonna get on the highlights you know but no one's filming you nowadays they are but it's probably more for like to make fun of you or something if you mess up so um no but anyways this is a very real look at a church who remember they did love god there was uh, it was established by god they're real believers they had gifts but they had been pride and infiltrated and with it came a lot of sin and so the sin that was, was messing this church up, was uh, it was derailing him. And, and Paul had to talk to him. There was a major issue with schisms. There was a major issue with division. And he had to come before him and be like, guys, I need to talk to you. You can have a, a bunch of different influences in your life, a bunch of different people that, that, that can speak to you, that you can listen to, but you only have, I'm, I'm one of your fathers in the faith. Like, I care about you. So I'm not writing this to you to to bum you out or to embarrass you or to shame you. I'm writing these things to you to warn you because I love you because I want what's best for you. So it's all important to understand that mindset that Paul's not just grilling them because it's fun to grill people, right? He's doing it because he loves them. And so what you're going to see here today, it's kind of messy. It is actually, it's very messy, but so is life, right? So is following Jesus. So is doing it with other people, being around other people. It gets difficult. Conversations get hard. Subjects don't stay simple all the time. But if we really do love each other, then we're going to push through all of that and be able to dig into deep stuff, real life stuff, okay? 
So that's Paul. He's saying that. I want to, I'm warning you guys. I want you to help you. I don't want you to get caught up in this stuff. And he's going to be kind of harsh, but you got to understand it's from this, from this father-like, loving place in his heart, okay? So there you go. Uh, verse 1, it says, it is actually reported, it's kind of continuing on from verse 4, in speaking of what is actually happening, because before it was kind of talking about mindsets that were bad. Like you guys are like have division and you're arrogant and you're prideful. Well, we're going to actually get into stuff that's really going on. You know, it's kind of one thing when it's like um, principle based or like hypotheticals. But then when it gets like personal, things change. Right. Don't don't push that button. That one hurts. You know, I, I can sin. Yeah, I have an issue with sin. Well, no, not that. That's my sin. I don't like that. So anyway, so it gets personal right here. Verse one, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such, such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. Word has gotten back to Paul, all the way to Paul, about what was going on in Corinth. You know what that means? It was not a secret. This had spread all the way. I mean, moved all the way to where Paul was. He says, I, I've heard that there's sexual immorality happening. Not just sexual immorality. That would be enough. But he says, listen to how he says it. He says, uh, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. So he's like, in the wicked culture that you're living in, remember this is like the Greek culture, Corinth, this uh, cutting edge progressive city where sex is is like no big deal like it's it's promoted it's it's lifted up they're all about pleasure of every kind even there it was what was happening was taboo so he's like saying not only are you guys like not doing what you're supposed to be doing you're doing something that even the people around you think is bad and wrong so you know that's bad when the world's looking in going like that's I would not do that. And it's the church. You're like, this is a very strong witness, guys. You know, like, obviously, you're showing the change that's happened in your heart. But the fact of the matter is, it was uh, a man that had taken his father's wife. So this would be like a stepmother, seemingly. We don't know where the father is. We don't really have much indication with that. But what we do know is that she's not mentioned as part of the problem. He is. So seemingly, she might not even be a believer. But he is. And we're going to get into that because really this is all focused on the believer. And usually when we see sin and we, we're looking at sin, we always, the first thing we start thinking about is the world around us, right? The world's so bad and you're bad and you're bad and you're bad. What we're really seeing is, is we're, the first thing we need to take note of is in our own house. Because it's always easier to look at someone else's house and see their issues, see their problems. But it's in our own house is where it starts. That's where you get yourself, where you have uh, your authority is established. Because you can speak these things. You can speak against them because you're not caught up in them. You're not stuck in hypocrisy. So anyway, so that, that, that was kind of the situation. And, and, and here's the thing. Mistakes are made. Issues happen. Sin happens. And... We, we all know we've done things we would never have imagined we would have done. We've made mistakes we would have never imagined we would have made. But this is the, the factor here is, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned 
that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. So what Paul's saying is, is that not only did this happen, but you guys are gloating in the fact that you're totally okay with it. This, you know, you say, man, the world's never been like this before. Well, here you go. (laughs) This is pretty much exactly what's going on, right? You have this church and they're cutting edge and they're, you know, they're the, hey, we're just going to do grace and, and no, cons- no holiness. Oh, that sounds legalistic. Wouldn't want to deal with that, you know. Grace is absolutely necessary, obviously. But it's grace to live holy, not to avoid living holy. Not grace to be the kind of go around from living holy. It's the ability to live holy, right? Like, you never do it on your own. You can't do it. But God gives you the grace to live holy, And really what this whole section is really about is about this man's lack of repentance. He sees no need. He's settled in. He's fine with it. It's totally okay in his mind. Like, I'm I'm okay with where I'm at, and the church has supported that. Oh, you know what? We're just going to keep on just just love him, wrap your arms around him, just bring him in, just keep him here. And so we're going to see this. I I believe in loving the sinner 100%, but we're going to see this is a little different than that. He says, you are puffed up and have not rather mourned, right? And he says that this person be taken away from you for, um, verse three, for I indeed as absent in body, but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present him who has not, or who has so done this deed. Um, you know, Paul, where's that like whole thing about like judge not lest you be judged, man, (laughs) He's like, that's, I don't get, you know, how can you say that? Well, to understand that context, it's, it's not that, it's not that you can't judge things, right? Romans 14, remember we were just in Romans and there was a whole issue of conscience and it's not judging things that are, you know, kind of gray areas and we're not really sure about and, and, and that's to each person's conscience, what you eat, what you drink, all of that kind of stuff that's, that's not really set in stone, but you know full well if it's an issue for you. It becomes evident in your life and God speaks to you on that account. This is something that is clearly shown in scripture, that this is a problem. So this isn't like a level of, it's, the judgment is just keeping the house in order. Seeing it for what it is, calling it for what it is, calling sin is sin. If you love someone, you will call sin, sin. If you love God, you will call sin, sin. I know that you're like, great, thanks. I'm just glad I came here this morning. This is good news. It really is because this is how we keep ourselves from getting caught up in bondage. That, that's the whole point of all of this is how we keep ourselves from being caught up. Like this person doesn't see that they're in bondage. They can't see it. They think they're getting away with something. But you're never getting away with something. If God says it's not good for you, it's not good for you. And so the church enabling that is actually really hurting this person. And that's why the church as a whole enabling sin as a society and and in the church culture, allowing the outside to influence the inside has absolutely hampered church spiritual growth. Maybe not numerical growth, but spiritual growth. Because if you really want to grow, you got to let God deal with those things in your life. And sometimes you're going to have to deal with people that tell you things you don't want to hear. 
you're like, good, I have some stuff. I'm writing down a list of the people I have something to say to in here because I think I'm the Holy Spirit today, and this is my day. Pastor said judging's totally cool if it's biblical, and I have a verse, you know. That's not the point. You're going to understand. I mean, hopefully we can get to that in a second. You can understand. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying like, um, I saw you make a mistake, and I will, now you're in trouble. I saw it, and I'm, oh, it's all in love. Yeah. Joe, I'm better than you. Keep in mind, this is unrepentant sin that has no, it's not like they didn't, this person doesn't know. They know. And they just don't care. And so this is the problem. This is what's, what they're dealing with. So Paul's saying, I have no problem, even though I'm not there judging this person, just so you know. Judging what they're doing in their life. And he says, in the norm, name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one. Okay, this is going to get gnarly. Such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're like, now I'm really glad I came this morning. You end up, okay, if you're not good, we're going to deliver you to Satan. You know, like, it's like, can you do that? You know? You just, like, deliver someone. Here you go. Here they are, you know. That's not the point of the matter. What really, what Paul is saying is that don't enable sin in their life. Help them to see it for what it is. When you are coming alongside and saying, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, it's fine. You know, just, just you know what, just don't worry about it. We all make mistakes. You know, just continue on. Just keep going. The whole idea, we all make mistakes. The whole idea of we all need grace. Oh, how many of us need grace? Every single one of us needs grace, like radical grace of God. And we are all mega sinners. We know this. But to allow someone to continue to live in a manner that's not right, then you can't, it's, that's not loving. If you love someone, you'll tell them the truth in love. Important to understand, Paul is not doing this as like a discipline area. Like we said before, it's not a, he doesn't just want to discipline them for the sake of disciplining them. He's like saying, I'm doing this because I'm your father. And this is important. And what's the whole point here? Because you go, deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And you go, oh, he just wants to destroy him. What does it say? The destruction of the flesh. What is flesh? Sinful desire, right? The, the things in us, that it's the natural man. Deliver him over to Satan so they can see what he's really doing. So he can understand what's really going on in his life. All of a sudden, aha moment. I had no idea I was in this deep. I had no idea. Because isn't, isn't sin sneaky like that? Little justification, little justification. Find a group of people who are like you, and they'll allow it. <laughs> and they'll help you. Oh, yeah, here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the same. No problem. Yeah. Oh, cool. Got a community now, you know, and we kind of just keep on going and, and keep on going. And in the meantime, you've got a cancer growing inside you, not only in you, but here's the other issue in the church. This is messing up the name of the church. Because remember, this report had gotten all the way to Paul. It was, it was an like the, even the Gentiles couldn't believe it was happening. It was dragging the name of the Lord through the dirt because they were allowing it and thinking it was totally fine. 
I believe that there is a, a time and a season to allow people, especially when they've just come to Christ, to like let God work stuff in them. Come as you are. Let him work that out in you. But those people, when they know and they've been called to the mat and there's, there's a real conviction there and they know it and they ignore it and then they just go around trying to justify it, that is a place where a different kind of measure needs to be taken. Because when we come to Christ, we start to realize I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm not where I thought I was supposed to be. Now, keep in mind, there was a lot of religion in Corinth at this time. And a lot of the religion in Corinth was very sexually pervasive. It was like a part of it. So it's like, well, it's, you know, it's kind of okay here. It's like a thing we do. I know, I know, it said that back then. But things are different now. It's 2019, after all. God couldn't have known what it would be like now, then. It's so different, right? That we, everything we're dealing with is so vastly different from, you know, from back in, the, in these times. Have you ever found a book from 2,000 years ago that's more applicable? <laughs> How about a book from one year ago that's more applicable? There's nothing more applicable than the word of God. And it, it has a way of absolutely fulfilling that scripture of piercing through you. Showing exactly where you're really at, who you really are. Culture can tell you one thing and, and you can try and swing and, and, and uh, you know, be the servant of the culture that you live in. You can try and do that and you can try and justify it all in your head. You're going to get exhausted. And by the way, you're not that smart, if, especially if you're trying to do that. You're never going to get there. Well, how do I make it all work? There's going to be a time where you, there's just a stand has to be made. And you have to do what you have to do and be holy and honor God. Because you believe that he is more important to please than anyone else. That's heavy, right? But the fact of the matter is I can think I'm good. This morning, this happened this morning, band practice. I pull my guitar out and I plug it in, and I play a chord, and it is in tune. That never happens, especially because this morning it was like 40 degrees in here. It was super cold. This is an ice box, these concrete walls. and So we're, we're going to start having meat in here throughout the week, and it's going to be good. So if you see blood, it is blood. Um, if it's Anyway. Um, so I, I pull my guitar out, and I play it, and I'm like, I'm in tune. No need to check it. I can hear it. Until Kellen who was tuned, play a, played a chord, and I'm like, I'm way out of tune. <laughs> but I'm in tune to myself. It doesn't mean I'm actually in tune at all. I'm in tune to myself. All the strings are in tune to each other, but they're not under the greater rule of the tuner that tells me where I'm actually at. And as soon as I hear the real thing, I realize I am lacking. Well, the one thing I could do is just find a bunch of people who tune their guitars like me but that's not really in tune is it <laughs> because eventually maybe you're gonna end up playing with a piano and you can't de or especially a keyboard you can't do that to a keyboard <laughs> that thing is gonna stay in tune no matter what it's digital it, so at some point there's gonna be a reckoning so you either got to say you know what either everybody's got to adapt to my new way or I need to realize I'm not right and I need to fix it what was the solution? 30 seconds of tuning. Back in business. There we go. And you'll see me. I'll be tuning 
probably tune t- another time right when I go up. I'm just going to keep on tuning. This is the mind of a Christian is not to look around you and be like, oh, yeah, this seems fine. It's to, it's to take that, that honest look at your life and say, man, am I where I'm supposed to be? Is holiness important to me? Been going through the um, uh, disciplines of a godly man. The discipline of growing is it's so huge. The discipline of spiritual growth. Discipline is necessary in everything in life, right? But to understand that it's important is to invest in it. So you find yourself, yeah, I don't know. Christian's whatever. You know, being a Christian doesn't really, hasn't really changed me. I'm kind of like the same person. Well, then you are not abiding in Jesus like you should be. Because you will be, be changing So he says, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gives us the real reason for this destruction of the flesh and that his soul may be saved. That's so you go, oh, this is a brutal passage. No, you know what's brutal is letting someone think they're okay and then them going to hell in the end. Because they, because they just allowed, one sin does not, see. So here's the thing about sin. It doesn't just sit there and be like, oh, that's enough. It takes ground quickly, right? It's like weeds in the garden. One weed, that's fine. I can deal with that. It is not one weed, though, is it? Before you know it, it is full-blown invasion of weeds. So you got to go to the root, take them out. We, uh, we really understand this principle, too, uh, of helping people understand the full weight of sin. You know, like, we, we get that. Do you remember the show... Scared straight. Does anybody remember that? It's pretty heavy. Language, pretty gnarly, okay? But there's a point to that, right? What would they do? They'll take these kids who are these little, like, troublemaker kids, you know, who are, like, the toughest 13-year-old on the block, right? And they bring them into prison to these guys who are, you know, lifers or whatever, and they sit there, and these guys, their job, and they're, they're, they're doing it to help the kids. But their job is to scare the kids straight. And usually the kids are bawling their eyes out. And these guys are saying stuff way over the top, right? I mean, they're coming in really hard. And the idea is for those kids to open up their eyes to what lies before them. So they could see where they're really at. So they could see, you know, it's not just a, like a, a phase. They're just going through something. Eh, they're just figuring. You, we all need to see that. The sin in our life, we got to see it for what it is. Poison. It's trying to destroy you, taking you out, robbing you. The idea of getting robbed just drives me crazy, you know? I've gotten ripped off. I've gotten my car broken. I've gotten a lot of stuff stolen, you know? And, I, and I, 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 every time, you know, I've, I've shared this before, but I'm yelling, where are you? Yeah, oh, it's me, you know? I'm like, oh, hey, man, that was me, you know? You want to come and get it back? Let's race, you know? All right, let's arm wrestle. If you beat me, you get your stuff, you know. I hate that, though. I hate being ripped off. But I'm okay with being ripped off spiritually if it allows some just sin to kind of sit there. That's fine. Satan is here to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What part of that is confusing? (laughs) So Paul's saying, like, man, we're looking at full greater good here, okay? 
deliver them so they can see what it is. And then he says this to, this to the church. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Here we go. It'll permeate the whole church, won't it? You allow it, and it continues, and it continues, and it continues. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. You guys know the idea of, of bread and yeast, and you take a little bit from the old dough, and you add it to the new dough, and it, it continues on. And so when you do that, and it's, it's been uh, compromised, it adds problems everywhere it goes. So what do you need to do? You need to get rid of that and start over, in a sense. You've got to start over because it'll, just, it'll continue to plague you. And it won't, it'll go from being one problem to a million problems. Yeah, I don't want to get rid of it. Uh, it costs money. Well, it's going to cost a lot more money if you keep letting the same thing hurt you. You know, if you keep allowing the same thing to take you out, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And this is reference to the Passover, right? Of course, we know the Passover was like a foreshadowing of what Jesus would come and do and his blood would save us, right? Leaven is a symbol of sin. You see it throughout the scriptures because it comes in and just takes over. We're to uh, abide in that unleavened bread. Therefore, let us, not, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I, love, I like those words that he uses, sincerity and truth. Like with, it's like an honesty and it's a realness, right? Sincerity is like, if you're sincere, it means you actually say what you mean. You know, like you really did mean that. That really was something that you said. You didn't just say, oh, we'll catch up sometime. Eh, probably not, you know. That wasn't sincere, right? If, but if it's sincere, you really do mean it. And usually you'll be like, oh, no, when? Next week. Let's pick a day. You're like, oh, you really mean it, you know. You actually did want to meet, didn't you, you know. I thought it was kind of like one of those things where someday, you know, and someday is not a day of the week, right? <laughs> Get it? Anyway, not that good. I get it. But this is the whole part of that changed mind, right? That we would have that changed mind. That's repentance, a change of mind to see sin for what it is. This is not saying, again, that the, that the church needs to be sinlessly perfect. That church we can't go to. I can't go there. It would be, I'd be like, I'd be delivered to Satan instantly, you know? <laughs> But it's the idea of you haven't changed your mind about what sin is. There is no repentance in your heart. Like you're okay with it and you want to continue to be okay with it. And you want everyone around you to be okay with it. So tell me I'm fine. He says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. This seemingly is a former letter by Paul. They wrote more letters than were canonized. You know that, right? These, a lot of the, there was more letters that went out to churches that weren't all canonized. They weren't all deemed scripture. So this was probably one of them before. He's already spoken to them about it. And he says not to keep company with sexually immoral people. He says, yet I certainly did not mean 
this, here we go. Here's the difference between the church and the world. With sexually immoral people, immoral people of this world, or with covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you could need to go out of the world. Meaning, if I told you not to deal with any of these people, you have nowhere to go. <laughs> you, you'd be like, uh, where do I eat? <laughs> like, what? Uh, I don't know. It, what, so what's your guys' spiritual life like, you know? I wanted a burger, but I'm not sure. You all have to eat it in and out of your Chick-fil-A, huh? Because they're like, oh, God bless you when you come in. You're like, oh, okay, sounds good, you know? I don't think I'm going to get food poisoning here. My pleasure. And if they did give it to you, they'd say my pleasure. Um, that would be Chick-fil-A. That's closed today. You can't eat, so we wouldn't be, you'd have to eat in and out. <laughs> Panera too, right? Is that Christian-owned? Okay. Huh? It's open, but that doesn't, it's Christian-owned though, right? Okay. <laughs> On the Sabbath. Oh. <laughs> Name dropping all these restaurants here. Uh, <laughs> you guys are all going to be hungry, and you're hungry for Chick-fil-A, and you can't have it. Uh, that's always how it works, right? But no, the idea is not that we. it's like this with the world. That's not the point. He says, I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world. I definitely did not mean them. What reference would they even have to this? <laughs> I mean, they, they, there's an inherent thing in us that we know we're, not, we're weighed and found wanting. We are, do not measure up. There are prob- but there's something about the unregenerated man that doesn't know how to be like Christ. Because there's, no, there's been no change of the heart. They've not been born again. So when we look at the world, a lot of times we experience, we want to give all the grace in the world to our church and go, oh, yeah, no, it's fine, it's fine. But then you look at the world and you're like, oh, let's clamp down on them, you know. Let's kill, let's kill them all, you know. And you're like, Paul kind of did not like that idea. Let's scratch that from the tape, you know. It's not a tape. I didn't say kill them all. I didn't mean it like that. Sorry. You're inside my mind right now. I'll, I'll get you out right now. <laughs> yeah. But he's saying, like, since then you would need to go out of the world. You'll never find a place where that doesn't exist. And you're not meant to be outside of that, right? This was kind of like the ideas of, like, monasteries and, and hermits. And they go live out in the middle of nowhere all by themselves to go be a light for Jesus. You're like, that makes so much sense. I don't even know where to start, you know, to be a light, <laughs> to be put up on a hill, the light of the world. Hidden away, all of you together, where you know, no one can see you. Okay, sounds good. No, the idea is that we don't expect this from people that, that have not been redeemed, that we don't call brothers and sisters in Christ. So there really is a ton of grace for those people, and there's a willingness to open up those doors. But when they come to know Jesus, we expect to see God work on their hearts, and to see change, to grow in time. Remember, the, imagine the, the, the damage done by the local church, this church, and to their witness, knowing that they are like freakier than the rest of Greek culture, which is like saying something, right? Your church is actually like crazier than San Francisco, you know? Like, this, what, what is going on here, you know? How is this allowed? How is this? Oh, yeah, come to Jesus to be like you. Uh, no, thanks. That's a little outside my comfort zone. That's crazy talk, right? But we, like, want to reach out. And so we want to be, hey, man, I'm just like you. Yeah, you are just like them. But you're called to be redeemed. You're never to be 
greater than anyone. You're not greater than anyone. You will never be greater than anyone in and of yourself. But we're called to walk in holiness and to let God continue to work in our lives. And when we say no to something, it will allow more things that you will say no to. And you continue down this path and the sin will continue to build and build and it will choke you out. Verse 11, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous uh, or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. All of these things, notice he didn't just say sexually immoral. He said covetous, idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or an extortioner. These are lifestyle. The way, see the way this is described? These are lifestyle things that have allowed to continue as a lifestyle. It is what defines you. It's who you are because you haven't weeded it out. You haven't let God work that thing out in your life and you've allowed it to continue. Remember, the goal of this too is not to just be like, oh, see, we're better than them. You go put them over there in the corner and tell them, bad, 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 you know, we're the good ones. And you guys sit there, you know, we can't talk to you, you know. The idea is that you just don't make it comfortable. So they can see it, they can get it, they can understand. This is not where I'm supposed to be. And, that, and, and, and I think that it doesn't, I think it means that you come to them and you can, you're honest with them. You're like, man, this is just poisoning you and I can't watch it happen with like not saying and not doing anything. I got I allow you to see it for what it is. You know, there's, there's, you know, as a parent, you're always like telling your kids, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, you know, and you're, you're constantly trying to stop them from doing it, but they keep doing it, they keep doing it, they keep wanting to do it, and you're like, okay, go, up, go for it, you're boss. <laughs> it, you know how that goes, right? Time to pick up the pieces, you know? And then you're just trying not to go so hard, I told you so, right? That's, because that's so in our nature, because... Who loves being told I told you so? We all love it, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, you did. That's good. Thank you. I hadn't thought about that. No. When it happens to you, you you're like, I don't want to hear it, but I do know now. I get it. That's kind of the, the mindset here. If, man, let them feel what it is to feel to be isolated. There's even um, there's a case for if someone's really unrepentant and they continue on in sin and it's destroying the church and it's allowing that to ask them, man, it's time for you to step away. Go, go clear that up. Go before you and the Lord. And you go, that, that's harsh to tell them not to want to not to come to church. Like, isn't that where they're supposed to come? Like, no, listen. It's not that that's off the table. It's just that they can see, man, this is, you're not interested in this. This isn't where you want to be right now. I get it. But to go and, and, and see it for what it is. And I think that's a really rare case. But I think it's, there is a point where that would happen. I've never personally seen it happen. I've known of it happening before. And it's, it can be really hard and tricky. And, and you can do this really wrong. And I, but the point of the matter is, is to allow it to be seen and say, like, we are here for you. But like where you're at right now is just not where you're supposed to be. This isn't good. You're allowing that to continue and you're bringing others with you and it's, it's poisoning others around you and you're, you're really messing up the church. It's not just you. You're bad for the whole, for everyone. So there's, as soon as you repent, we're here. Like as soon as you, you want to come back around and you get it, just, we're here. Like 
just don't 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 sweat that but we're right here and so it's and but it's touchy right yeah how would that work and what would it look like and and um most of the time these people leave on their own eventually right they'll slowly find their way out and uh and a lot of times if they're not repentant even if you bring it up to them they'll just find another church that will enable them to do it which is easy to find sometimes right and then they'll tell really bad stories about you as you go. But as brothers and sisters who are supposed to love each other, we got to tell each other the truth. You can't eat that poison, man. It's just not good. I, I want you around for the long haul. And by the way, if I'm in that place, you got to say it too. You got to say it to me. You've got to. You gotta, you gotta, it's got to be revealed because I can't let this continue on to live in habitual sin. Anyway, and he even says, because he says not to eat with such a person. The idea of eating was such an intimate thing, especially in this, at this ancient world. The, f- the idea was like feasts, right? It was like such a big deal, you know, like even like the prodigal son comes home and they throw a feast and they're like, oh, okay. And the son's like bummed. He's like, man, kill the fatted calf. And you're like, well, that's a commitment, right? You're killing one of your animals and you're putting all of your investment into, you know, being able to sit around and make a great meal together. And, and it's intimate. Like, we're sharing with each other. We're eating of the same food. I dip my bread in that bowl and I, you know, we're all doing the same thing together. And it's, it's a beautiful thing for us. It's like fuel, you know, like <laughs> eat it as fast as you can. Buy it in your car. It's lunch break. Ah, you know, chew it up. Go. Something intimate about that, uh, and and that even Jesus. Remember when he in Matthew uh, chapter nine, uh, verses in verse ten, it says, "Now it happened. Jesus sat at the table in the house. That behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners?' You go, what? You just eat wherever you want. You go to Costco. Who knows who you're sitting next to, right?" As you're sitting next to somebody, right? Those tables are full. As you're sitting there, you're like, oh, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> trying to make it look cool, eating a hot dog and a, and, a, and a piece of pizza. Don't look at the calories. There's a, that's a lot, you know? Anyway. But you're going to sit with them. And you're like, oh, hey, uh, just so you know, did you, like, have your devotions today? I just need to know if I could sit with you or not, you know? That wasn't it. The idea, and Jesus, he sat with them. His whole thing was because they are sick and they don't know they need it. They, I mean, they, they, I mean, they need a physician and they, they, they need to hear what I have to share with them. They need me. So I'm willing to go in there. But this is talking about people who are arrogantly walking in defiance to God with no repentance in their heart. This is not a, the lifestyle that you would call Christian. And yet the name is there. Paul says, let them see what it is so that they can be turned and saved. And he's, verse 12, for what I, have I to do with judging those who are also outside? But you, uh, do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away yourselves from the evil person. For I, I have no place in judging those who are out the outside. That's God's judgment. He can deal with that. He'll deal with, he can do that. That's not my job to make sure that they're morally up to code with me, you know. But those who are on the inside, man, we, are, we know better. We've experienced more. 
This man was a brother, but sin had started to suffocate him, so he needs to be woken up. It's essential for growth that we put away sin, right? It's essential that we keep a repentant heart. When something comes up, repent. When you make a mistake, just repent. Just like, God, I, I don't know why I got caught up in that. I don't know why I made, went that way. Like, forgive me and change my mind. Help me to see it right. This is not the way I act. This is not the thing I need to do. This is not getting me anywhere. We need to understand also how to control our members. This brings forth more freedom. This is from that book, from the uh, Disciplines of a Godly Man. Some may minimize the importance of spiritual discipline now, but no one will then in eternity. Godliness has value for all things. The disciplined Christian gets, gives, uh, gives and gets the best of both worlds. The world now and the world to come. Think about that, right? The, the, the other side is you get ripped off in both, right? The word discipline may raise the feeling of uh, uh, stultifying constraint in some minds, suggesting a claustrophobic, restricted life. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The obsessive, almost manic discipline of Mike Singletary liberates him to play like a wild man on the football field. Give you a little background. Mike Singletary, 49ers, uh, incredible. I'm not, not 49ers, sorry. He was a 49ers coach. Bears, he was a Bears linebacker, and he was this, like, maniac. And he was so driven. He would, they'd say, like, three hours to, to watch half a game because he would look at every single player, what every single player is doing, and so he would know what the play was before it was happening, right? Was he a linebacker or a safety? Anyway, whatever. Huh? I thought so. Okay. But he was pretty small. Anyway, he was bad to the bone. So Mike Singletary, uh, him being disciplined, helps liberate him to play like a wild man on the football field. Hemingway's angst over the right word freed him to leave a mark on the English language, second only to Shakespeare. The billion sketches of the Renaissance greats set Michelangelo free to create the skies of the Sistine Chapel. The disciplined drudgery of the musical greats released their genius. And brothers in Christ and sisters, <laughs> spiritual discipline frees us from the gravity of this present age and allows us to soar with the saints and angels. The life that, that you, when we're able to go before God and to honor him with all of us, our members, our life, everything, open book, repent when, when you need to repent, but grow and continue to grow and learn to control and learn to have this, these self-control is, is of the spirit. What happens? We gain a, a whole new sense of freedom, a whole new sense of purpose, a whole new sense of direction. We can honor God even more. Our kids, they're not like, yeah, I became a Christian in spite of my parents. <laughs> but because they had actually an influence in my life because they actually were what they said they were. And the witness that you have, and you'll find it's easy to witness to people wherever you're at because they're going to ask questions because you're very weird to them. There's something different about you. We're called into that. So don't let the sin that has maybe been convicting you, that there's a lot of things we can, I mean, I, I think about this. I was thinking like, what is stuff that you like kind of get okay with and you just allow to s sit in your house, you know? You just kind of got okay with it and then that turns into another thing and it turns into another thing. It's like, let it go. You better let it go. <laughs> better get rid of that. Let that conviction teach you 
guide you, direct you, so you don't become unrepentant, thinking you're fine on your own, walking in your own understanding, taking the whole world on your shoulders and failing <laughs> miserably. Let's enjoy the grace of God and let that to permeate, penetrate work in our lives. It's a big call to follow Jesus, right? You look at the lives of the apostles, it's heavy. It's like real deal. It's like no turning back, right? That song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I'm just going to keep on going. There's nothing to go back to, right? Like Peter said. So let's pray for that. Lord, we, uh, Lord, we know we're nothing aside from your grace, and, and there's not, any sense of 